All right, young people, you are dismissed. Well, we're excited this weekend to have Dr. Don Sisk with us uh, from Baptist International Missions Incorporated. He was the president there for many years. He was a veteran missionary to Japan. He's preached in over 80 countries. He's also the missions coordinator for West Coast Baptist College, or the chairman there. And so we're so thankful to have him. He'll be preaching tonight at our graduation. And then the next three nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7 p.m., we'll have some special meetings right here at the church. We hope that you'll come and join us. Dr. Sisk, you come. Thank you, Pastor. And it has... uh been indeed a wonderful, wonderful song service, amen? amen. And uh, all, of the, all of the beautiful songs, when, when they sing the song, How Great Thou Art. I, I think back in the early 50s that uh, George Beverly Shea, for the first time, sang it publicly in America. I, I, don't, I don't know the history, I'm sorry, but it came from another country, but it's a great song. And uh, George Beverly Shea sang it on one of the Billy Graham campaign uh, nights. And, and I remember watching that and thinking, what a great song. And, and thank God we, we heard it this morning and we've heard it so many times. And uh, we cannot overemphasize the greatness of God, amen. I mean, you know, it's unreal. I'm going to read a little statistic uh, before I read the Bible this morning and tell you the great curse of the U.S. I doubt that it's very, uh, uh, that, that it, uh, maybe not a lot different from Canada. But one of the great curses in America today is fatherless homes. You think of the word fatherless. Fatherless. <clears throat> the U.S., we don't lead the world in many good things anymore, but here's a bad thing we lead the world in. 18.5% of American homes, our U.S. homes, are fatherless. Think about that. Nearly 20%, one out of every five home in America is fatherless. 25% of all young people grow up without a father figure. By the way, fathers, if you know some children that are in this situation, It'd be a good idea for you to try to help those children. I don't know how to do it. I don't have all the answers. But I do know that they need help. Why well, listen to it. 85% of all the behavior disorders, 85% come from fatherless homes. 70% of the teenagers who are under treatment for drugs and alcohol, 70% come from fatherless homes. Children that are raised without a father figure 
are nine times more likely to drop out of school than children that have a father or a fatherly figure in their home. I don't know about Canada, I don't know the stats for that, but I just saw these yesterday and it, it, it really broke my heart to think about all the children in the world that do not have a, a father. I'd, I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject of the influence of a father. The influence of a father. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5, and as Pastor Ferry said this morning, uh, we're not going to beat up the dads, but we're going to try to show you what the Bible says that we as fathers ought to be. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 25. Now, most men like to begin a little higher in that passage where it talks about the women being submissive to their husbands, okay? <laughs> but uh, we're not going to talk about that today, okay? But we are to talk about the men, the husband, the father. Okay, listen to it. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their own wives, even as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet ever hated his life. I think my cell phone went off. Okay. Okay. Verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, that every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Listen to verse 6, chapter 6. By the way, it doesn't stop, okay? This is chapter 6. is just a part of the conversation from chapter 5. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Fathers, 
Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let me give you one other verse. Turn your Bibles back over to uh, John, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. By the way, uh, I'd, I'd urge all of you fathers to, uh, when you get home today, now don't do it while I'm preaching this morning, okay? But when you get home today to go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and, and, and notice time after time after time after time the word Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Uh, look at John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Show us the Father. And it sufficeth us. Jesus said to them, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Showest the Father? Believest thou not? That I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. Father. Remember what he said in the first part? In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you. I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Let's think together today for a few minutes about the influence of a father. The influence of a father. Dear Lord, I need your help today. I've never felt more weak, more helpless, more totally dependent on you than I am right now. Now, I pray, dear God, you'd anoint my mind that I could think right. I pray you'd anoint my lips that I could speak right. But I pray most of all, dear Lord, that you would anoint my heart, that I would be right. Speak to the hearts of your people today. These are wonderful people. Many of them I've known for years and loved them. And I'd sure like to be a blessing to them today. But I realize that the only way that I could be a blessing to them is that you would use me. Dear Lord Jesus, this morning I think of John 15, 5, where you said, I, I am the vine. You're the branch. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now I realize this morning, dear Lord, I'm just a branch. And as long as I'm abiding in you and you're abiding in me, then I have life and vitality. 
But apart from you, I am absolutely nothing. So, Lord, I admit I'm totally dependent on you this morning. But you're good to depend on because you're dependable. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me begin by saying this. <clears throat> if you are a born-again child of God, you have a perfect heavenly father. A perfect heavenly father. Uh, if you want to see what your father is like, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at Jesus. The ensemble sang this morning, I speak Jesus. What, what, what a wonderful speech, amen. Jesus, Jesus, the precious name of Jesus, the perfect, the perfect father. I'll never forget November the 24th, 1953. I went to Methodist Hospital in Gary, Indiana. And my wife, Virginia, had just given birth. Back in those days, they wouldn't let dads get near the room where the birth was. Some of you remember those days. But in a few minutes, they brought this little girl out, eight and a half pounds. And I looked at that little girl, and I've never felt so dependent on God as I did that moment. I'm a father. I'm a father. That's my little girl. That was 68 years ago. Uh, she sent the video or whatever it is, okay, to somebody. You never know what Renee is going to do, okay? But I think back 68 years and She'd been a wonderful daughter. She married a good man. They went to Japan as missionaries, have two children, now have four grandchildren. It's a wonderful thing to be a dad. It's a scary thing. I didn't know how to handle her. I never will forget the first time I tried to change the diaper. I, I, I got so messed up. I mean, it, it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. I'm not going to tell you about it, amen. <laughs> but it was horrible. 68 years. What a wonderful daughter. Thank God for her. Seven, eight years later, January the 7th, 1961, I went to the hospital in Madisonville, Kentucky with my wife, Virginia. And again, we, we couldn't go in the room. 
We couldn't hold their hands like you do today. We didn't go through all those different things. Men didn't. I mean, you didn't have anything to do with it. They had to be there and be born all cleaned up and everything before you could see them. But I looked through a window and I saw a little boy. And I thought, wow, not only do I have a daughter, not only am I the dad of a daughter, but I'm a dad of a little boy. And I remember going back to my church and on the marquee out in front of the church, I put in big letters, it's a boy. His name is Timothy Ray. He weighed nine pounds and five ounces. It's a boy. It's a boy. That was 61 years ago. 61 years ago. And that boy did so many good things all through high school, college, seminary. And he went to Japan as a missionary. He said, how come they all go to Japan? I have no idea, okay? <laughs> but they did. And he started a church in Japan, went to Bolivia, and started a Bible college and started some churches in Bolivia. For the last 17 years, he's taught on a Bible college in Chicago, Illinois, Moody Bible Institute. He's been used of God in such a marvelous way. Children. By the way, they gave me grandchildren. I mentioned in Sunday school, grandchildren are, are our rewards for not killing our children. Amen. And then uh, our grandchildren have given us 11 great-grandchildren. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful thing to be a dad. Thank God we have a perfect Heavenly Father. But could I quickly mention that none of us have and none of us are perfect earthly fathers. There's no such thing as the perfect earthly Father, we all have feet of clay, amen. We've all made mistakes. Uh, we have all done some things that we should not have done with our children. God is gracious. I often say of our children, anything good about them, I give God all the glory and Virginia all the credit, amen. Now, that doesn't mean I was absent, I wasn't. What, what can I do as a father? There are no perfect fathers, okay, heavenly fathers. What, what can I do as a father? Number one, we can, by the grace of God, be a good representative of our heavenly father. Now, you cannot be the father you need to be without being saved by the grace of God. 
But if we are saved by the grace of God, then we can, we can be a good representative of our heavenly Father. And by the way, you that sit here today and you say, well, my father wasn't a good example. My father wasn't a good Christian. Join the crowd. My dad was not a Christian. My dad was a very hard worker. Went to work in the coal mines when he was 14 years old. His mother died when he was just a young, young boy. And my dad, all during the week, he was a very decent man. But every Saturday and every weekend, he got drunk. He came home and you know what alcohol does to, to anybody. You say, well, my, my dad, he, he hasn't been a good example. He, he, he was not a good, good dad. All right. Don't follow in his footsteps. Huh? You say, well, I admire, I honor these people that have a legacy. They can look back and see their grandfather and their father. And say, all right, start a legacy. Start a legacy. If you are saved by the grace of God and, and you did not have a good earthly father. Now, thank God, I had a wonderful Christian mother. And my dad got saved when he was 57 years old. I'll never forget that as long as I live. One of the greatest answers to prayer that I've ever had was to see my dad saved at the age of 57. By the way, he lived till he was 60 or, or 77. And from the time that he got saved till the time that he died, he never drank another drop of liquor. I never heard him curse another curse word. I, I never heard him do all these things and so forth. His life completely changed. But I didn't know him as a Christian father when I was a boy. But when I looked at Renee soon after she was born, and I looked at Tim soon after he was born, I determined by the grace of God, I'm going to be all I can so that I can show to my children Jesus Christ. What can I do as a father? Number one, I can spend some time with my children. I can spend some time with my children. Now, if, if we're not careful, we'll be so busy and so consumed with our jobs to give our children all that maybe we did not have that we fail to give them the thing that they need more than anything else, and that is you. Your children, your daughters, your sons, they need you. I can spend time with them. By the way, I believe one of the greatest things that you can do as a father is to 
show your children how to love their mate. Husbands, love your wife. You know, in, in the passage we read, it didn't have to say, wives, love your husband. That's sort of a given. But husbands, love your wives. By the way, one of the best things you can do for your children is to honor your wife. Love your wife, even as Christ loved the church. That was a sacrificial love. Children, husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That is great love. Hey, by the way, love costs something. Uh, not the kind of love that you see on television, not the kind of love that they picture in Hollywood and so forth. No, that doesn't cost anything, but real love, agape love, the kind of love, listen to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved you so much and he loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have a relation. And here Paul says, okay, love your wife even as Christ loved his church. Christ loved the church and died for it. So husbands, one of the greatest things you can do is to show to your children how a man ought to treat his wife. What can I do as a father? Let me give you a couple of tips. Number one, you can teach them. You can teach them. You teach in two ways. Number one, you teach them the word of God. Teach them what God has said in his word about various things in the world. Then you can teach them by the way you live. I've heard men say, son, don't ever start smoking, and they're puffing a cigarette at the same time. No. Your children are not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. Huh? I've heard people say, well, don't do as I do. Do as I say. No. That, that's not it. We can teach by our example. Again, I can provide for them. That's my job. That's my job. Remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Uh, remember the Lord's Prayer are the Model prayer that Jesus gives us, give us this day our daily bread. 
My big job is to provide for my wife, to provide for my children. I can protect them. I can protect them. I, I protect them by teaching them the right way. Uh, I protect them by not letting them see me do anything that they should not do. I can protect them by not having things in my home that should not be in my home. I can protect them. I can be a helper to them. I can be an encourager to them. Fathers, listen. Your most important job is to be a good husband and to be a good father. It don't matter about your title. It don't matter about your position. The greatest opportunity that you have is to be the kind of father you ought to be. You're influencing them. They're watching you. I mean, from the time they're little, they try to walk in your steps. They try to follow you. Be sure that the steps are leading them in the right way. And you can encourage them. Now, I, I, I don't want to be vain today, okay? But uh, could, I, could I read you? Uh, and pardon me, I, I don't usually use my phone in the pulpit, okay? In fact, I always cut it off. I'm going to read you something. By the way, it's not easy to be a father. It, it's a lot of hard work. But now I'm 89 years old. I, I just had my 89th birthday a few days ago. <laughs> In fact, I sat right beside of two great-grandchildren. One of them was 11 years old. The other one was seven years old. And they had a birthday party for the three of us. Two great-grandchildren and me. So Nathaniel sitting over here, Jay sitting over here. Nathaniel's 11 years old. That's my oldest grand, great grandson. And Jay was seven years old. So I said, boys, together, we're 107 years old. <laughs> and, and Nathaniel said, hey, Papa, that's right. You're 89. I'm 11, and Jay is 7. We're 107 years old. It's a great thing just, just to see what God is doing. Now, I got this text from my son this morning, and please, I am what I am 
by the grace of God. I have absolutely nothing to boast of except Jesus. And every, everything I've ever done is because I got saved when I was 16 years old. And thank God I did. In spite of the influence that my dad had had in my early life. So I'm not going to boast. But I'm going to say, hey, whatever it costs you, dad, whatever you're giving up in order to be the good dad that you ought to be, whatever sacrifice you have to make, it's worth it. It's worth it. And, and here, here's the text from Tim today. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I'm so thankful to God for giving me such a great dad. You taught me about our Heavenly Father. You taught me to love the Bible and you modeled how to live it. You encouraged me in my endeavors and gave me space to find my way. You have been incredibly generous along the way and provided so much for me. Thank you, Dad, for everything. I would not be who I am and where I am. And he's in a wonderful place doing a great, great program without your wonderful Influence. The influence of a father. I want us to stop and think for just a minute. Are you a father? Would you stop in just a minute? Thank God for letting you have that wonderful privilege. Huh? It's a gift from God. Children are a heritage of the Lord. Stop for just a minute and thank God, Father. Mothers, If you have a good husband, if your husband is a good father to your children, you'd better thank God daily for him. And you'd better pray for him. Think about it. The influence of a father. I wonder today if there's some man here near a father, but you've never been saved by the grace of God. I've got good news for you. This morning, you can become a child of God. God will become your father. Do you realize you're a sinner and on your way to hell and you cannot save yourself? But by faith in God, you look to him and trust him as your Lord and Savior. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
If you're here today, today, as a dad, you need God. And you can be saved by the grace of God. And into the service, we'll have an invitation time. If you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, this, this would be a good time for you to come and, and say to the pastor or somebody here, I'd like to know that I'm saved and going to heaven. Let them take the Bible, God's word, and show you how you can know you're saved and going to heaven. Maybe there's a dad here today. You say, Brother Sisk, I know I've been slack. I haven't been what I need to be. This may be a good way to come to an old-fashioned altar and tell God about it and then go back wherever your wife is and wherever your children are and tell them, by the grace of God, I want to be the kind of dad that I need to be. The influence of a father. Father, provoke not your children into anger. Be strong, but be kind. They're not opposites. Two weeks ago, I drove from, I didn't drive, I rode from Chattanooga, Tennessee to Columbia, South Carolina with a man and his wife and seven children. I never heard one cross word from a husband, from a wife, from a child. I experienced that day, Brother Fair, one of the greatest Christian homes I've ever seen in my whole life. Kindness, everything that was done. The man is strong, he's big. But he's kind to his wife. He's kind to his children. And his children respond in like manner. You say, well, it's a different world today. It's difficult. Hey, it's always been difficult. And I know it's difficult today. But thank God it's not impossible. With God, all things are possible. Let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Pastor will be here. Pianist will be here. I wonder how many men and women would just like to join hands and join them in the altar today. Let's stand together for prayer. And dear Lord, I pray you'll speak to hearts today. Have your will and way in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I pray for husbands and wives to be to each other what they need to be, to be to their children what they need to be. Maybe you'd like to come today and just stand before God, man, woman, maybe several of you just like to join hands as a mother and dad. Say, by the grace of God, we recommit ourselves today to you. 
to be all that we need to be for your glory. Maybe there's some young person here today and you've never been saved. Maybe some dad, you've never been saved. You'd like to come trust Christ as your savior today. Would you come? Would you come? Preacher. Preacher.